Welcome to the Infill Podcast, where we interview the most interesting members of the 3D printing and maker communities live and with audience participation. And now, here is your host, Jonathan Levy. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Infill Podcast. I'm really, really excited to be here because once again today, we are joined by one of my favorite content creators. There are a lot of mad scientists in this community and in this hobby, uh, and this one is probably the maddest, I think, and I say that in the most loving way. I think you all know him, so I won't give a big intro. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Proper Printing's John Schoen. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Hi, guys. Um, I, I myself doesn't even know how to pronounce my name in English, so... I think John Schoen is okay. All right, give it to <laughs> us. Give it to us the original. Is it? I imagine it's Jan. Um, yeah, Jan Schoen. Jan Schoen. Uh, I can do that. Yeah, I got nice. that. Jan, welcome to the show. I usually ask my guests how Thank I pronounce you. their name, and I was just so fascinated by your story that I forgot. So I apologize for that. Nice. I'm really excited to have you here, though, one way or another, because I love your content, and you're doing something so very different from so many of the other content creators who are doing, you know, product reviews and maybe some research. Mm -hmm. uh, but you are really pushing the boundaries of like, hey, what if I could 3D print with silicone? Or what if I could, uh, yep. you know, 3D print my own gantries? But I want to get into all that. I first want to understand your story and your background. How'd you get okay. into all this? Um, I started... Um I got into this when I worked at Philips. Uh, it's the company that you probably have heard of before. Um, it's a, well, I was, I worked at the shaving department um, as a test developer and I developed test systems for uh, testing shavers. Um, it was always fun to tell this to regular people because I, back then I also had a beard and they always said, well, the shavers don't work that well, do they? But it was more the, the software uh, testing side. So it was a lot of uh, programming in, uh, in LabVIEW and um, normally the stuff that you don't get to see. Um, and they decided to buy a bunch of Ultimakers, those uh, wooden Ultimakers. Um, and back then there were a lot of people just printing these well, standard things like uh, the owl on a stick and I was working on a, a test system for uh, four shavers. Uh, it was like this big rig, and I found out that 3D printing could be very interesting to make jigs and fixtures. So the very mm -hmm. first thing uh, I actually printed was a fixture uh, for a shaver, so I can print one specific specifically for that shaver uh, fitting on that machine. So. I can say that I'm among the first within Philips to print functional stuff on uh, 3D printers there. So that's, that's where really cool. uh, things got started. And um, so it was very mesmerizing to see your design becoming a reality. That's uh, yeah. still something that's, uh, yeah, I cannot get used to it. That's awesome. So at some point... First of all, I didn't realize that you were in the Netherlands. I was pretty sure you were Scandinavian, maybe because you're tall and have blue eyes. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm in the northern part of the Netherlands, so it's okay. as close as you can be to Scandinavia. Okay. All right, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, at some point, you said, hey, I could get one of these at home. Tell me about that decision and oh, journey. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have to uh, fast forward a bit. And it's it's it sounds 
uh, how do you say it? Um, I lived uh, together with, uh, well, now my ex-girlfriend. Um, and I'm not going too far into details, but when everything, <laughs> uh, well, the, the, everything got over, um, I needed something at hand. And yeah. I was like, that's 3D printer back then. And Philips was, was pretty fun. Let's, let's just uh, buy one. And a friend of mine uh, also had a 3D printer. And I remember designing a, uh, a speaker interface. Uh, was a another friend who had a, well, he bought big speakers for his car. It's <laughs> too big to fit. Uh, and I make an adapter to make it fit. And it fitted first time. And I was like, man, this is, this is so awesome. I still remember uh, that Sunday morning, the sun was uh, shining and that first print came off. And I sat there in the sun, removing the sports and I felt, okay, I must do this more often. Um, hmm. So I bought my very first machine and that's by far the most terrible machine that someone can buy. It was the uh, Enet A6, I think. Well, the one that can catch fire and yeah. I remember the room uh, starting to to smell like uh, well burnt uh, chicken. Um, so uh -huh. sometimes I still make fun with that uh, printer, but it was my very first printer, and I did design some interesting stuff with that. Um, and I think that yeah, I, I soon realized that the printer was well not that of a great of quality. So. Uh, one uh, guy at my work was an intern, by the way. He said, you should buy the uh, CR-10 from Creality. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like four years ago. And still that machine is, um, well, it kickstarted everything. Um, and the first thing that I um, found out with the printer is that I didn't like uh, removing or swapping out the nozzles. It was always a lot of fiddling to, to get there. Um, right. And I was wondering if it would be possible to make some system which can remove that nozzle while it's still connected electrically, but just uh, removing it so you can easy, uh, easily uh, do some uh, maintenance to it and mm -hmm. place it back. So basically a tool changer. Um, and that was my very first video about a, a tool changer to well, swap out the, uh, the hot hand easily. Wow. Um, and that was I posted that on, on Thingiverse and that design till this day is I think my most downloaded uh, design um, because I, I didn't realize it back then well sort of but I made this uh, blank tool which was the uh, step file um, and encouraged people to do remixes on Thingiverse because on Thingiverse you could do remix and said well maybe you can come up with your own uh, hot end holder or your own tool um, and this uh, cascaded a lot of upcoming ideas with, uh, oh, we can add a laser engraver. Oh, we can add a grinder or a pen plotter. Or mm -hmm. I, I think I made a dozen videos because of that tool changer. And I didn't think about that on beforehand. So that was a nice, a nice start. Now, you brushed on this. You were mostly doing software at Philips. Are you trained as a software engineer or did you know how to do all this modeling and stuff from your day job? Because you do um, a lot of CAD and heavy modeling and engineering. I started out in um, precision mechanics when I was 15. Wow. 
uh, well, I went to school, precision mechanics school when I was 15, because the regular uh, school was not my cup of tea. Um, <laughs> I had 16 hours of language each, um, each week of the 32 hours in total. So 50% was all language. Um, and I wasn't good at language, uh, even not my own language. I was able to speak it. I was able to understand it, but for some reason, especially German, the rules behind it. And I still don't know if a house is male or female. It's not in our language. So to me, it doesn't make sense. So, yeah. well, quite soon, um, I uh, went to a uh, the technical school because, well, if I found out quite soon that I liked uh, playing with Legos and <laughs> building stuff. Um, so I started out as precision mechanic. So um, I was 15 when I first uh, stood behind the lathe uh, and a, a milling machine, and I learned it to to, to grind to um, well all classical stuff, all conventional. Uh, so not not a lot of CNC. Uh, back then, I didn't understand a lot of, I didn't know how a CNC machine worked. And I think maybe 15 years later, I realized that those machines were controlled by G-code and now G-code is like right. how on earth. But um, so I started out as a precision mechanic and um, we drew, made drawings in uh, AutoCAD, AutoCAD 14, I think. Well, it's one of these vintage uh, AutoCAD. Um, and it was all 2D, so we had to draw in 2D. Um, mm -hmm. I think in the very first years, I have to I had to do it on paper, so with a pen on uh, A3. So it's, it sounds like I'm pretty old, but the school itself was very outdated. Um, and we taught ourselves Inventor, uh, Inventor 10. Um, in our in our last year, there was a split between two groups. Well, we had a very small a small class of, I think, nine people. And four of them um, went more to the theoretical side and the other ones were more practical. So we had to make mm -hmm. come up with a design, uh, make drawings for it so they could be manufactured. Um, and our project was to design a clock. So I designed a clock completely out of brass uh, and it also had wow. these um, well, it was a lot of fun to understand how, I don't know how the, all the parts are called in English, but it was very informative to, well, design a, uh, analog clock completely out of scratch. Um, so that really, um, well, kicked off the design in, uh, in Inventor. Um, once I finished that, I had the idea to go to a music school to the conservatory hmm. because I like making music. I still, I like audio, um, but I thought I was, I, I had some some bad internships, so to say. So I had to, to clean up machines and I had really some very terrible work. So, um, and I thought I wanted to make music. So I went to a school where we were taught to, um, make music for games and films and commercials. So um, it was not that you, you didn't necessarily need to be good, good at playing music, but it was um, making music behind the computer. So to right. uh, compose music. So it would be very handy if you could play the piano, which I uh, was able to. Um, so I wanted to go to music. 
uh, school. And then uh, I met my, well, back then girlfriend. And we moved to uh, another uh, place and I had to find some work. So I just randomly went to, I was called, well, the middleman uh, finding jobs for you. And I said, I need work. I don't care what work. I just, I need money. So I had done some, some very terrible jobs. So whatever you come up with, uh, I'm fine <laughs> with it. Um, and they, um, well, they sent me to an, uh, an electronics manufacturer. Okay. Um, and because I had some technical background to say, oh, well, maybe that's something for you. And, uh, the wages were also quite decent for that time. Um, and that went so well um that they offered me a uh, a study besides the um uh, besides work so i did, did a part-time study um but of uh, electronics so i worked as at the electronics manufacturer as a tester so we had a lot of industrial pcbs um from uh, several industrial companies and also from um just electronics that the ordinary person doesn't get to see and I had to mm. test them. And while I was doing that, I, I find it a lot of, uh, it was a lot of fun to improve on that. Um, and eventually I started to, to teach myself uh, to code, to automate the testing because there were, was a Got lot it. of um, manual stuff. Uh, I had to uh, set a power supply and measure some voltages. And I was like, well, these things can be controlled uh, remotely. Um, and they decided, well, maybe you can use LabVIEW for that. LabVIEW is the standard software for controlling instruments. Um, I was like, yeah, okay, right. I was, I think, 20, 20 years old. So I wanted to learn as much as possible. Um, I was also an SMT operator. So I, everything I could do there, I uh, basically did. So I taught myself LabVIEW to automatically control this stuff. Um, and a couple of years later, I ended up within Philips, uh, within the department I just mentioned, uh, as a test developer and doing full-time uh, LabVIEW programming. So in three Got years, it. it was only LabVIEW programming, um, which I still think is a lot of fun to do, especially hmm. the combination of software and electronics and mechanics is awesome. But I did lost the, the feel of uh, making stuff, uh, which were physically. So. Yeah. And that's where we're back at the 3D printers within Philips. That's right. where it's sparked like, oh, yes, okay, we have software and we can create stuff. And I think that's a okay. bit of the, the backstory. So yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to understand. One thing that's fascinating to me is the transition from, you, you know, it sounds like you put up a YouTube video because you did a project. It was cool. You wanted to share it. Are you doing YouTube full time now? Ah. That's the, um, the news I have for you. Um, literally this week is my very first week of going full time on YouTube. So wow. congratulations. I bet you I have some sound effect here. Here we go. Let's see. <laughs> yes. <Yep. laughs> I didn't know what that was going to be, but it actually worked pretty well. That's awesome. Congratulations. So you left, Thanks. you left the, the real world yeah, and uh, yeah. you're doing YouTube full time. Yes, officially it's next week. I am going there to say goodbye. So I'm not going to, uh, yeah, just one day and say, uh, 
so long. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's um, going full time now, and it's um, yeah still quite unreal that it's uh, that I'm totally. at this point after four years. Totally. And the day job that you're leaving is not Philips, I. Assessed. No, no, it's at an, another um, electronics manufacturer. Uh, not the same really as cool. before Philips, but it's their main competitor. Really cool. I'm curious uh, I've worked to hear... there for eight years, I think. Yeah, eight years. Wow. I'm curious to hear, and I was talking to a couple friends today because I don't know about you, but I took a very significant pay cut to focus on this, at least for now. And I don't think I'll ever make what I made in personal development, but it's so much more fun. And I, you know, I really, really fundamentally believe that all the money in the world isn't isn't worth working on stuff that you're no longer passionate about. So I'm curious to hear: has that been your experience, or is this uh, a better living for you than working in electronics? You don't have to share if you're not comfortable. Um, it's um, well, it it's more like it's more dynamic. So there are months uh, less, and um, my biggest challenge is that i do not post a lot of videos like mm -hmm. on average i think two videos in three months so oh, wow i i go all in on one video um and i still i thought well maybe if i'm going full time then i can post more but i don't think i can and i'm going more with the the mark rober approach so to say yep. my uh, my projects are simply to too big to I, I can I tried one uh, big project where I 3d printed a rim for uh, for an old car to see if it would be strong enough um, and we had a whole uh, series of videos yeah um, working uh, to that point um, it was a lot of fun I've learned a lot but it's um, it's quite tough to do as well because well you have to you have to be very good at storytelling on each every video yes. to keep everyone on track um so right now i want to um well make single videos about projects that i think are uh, interesting enough um so it's not a lot but the videos themselves they well have to perform well so if they don't then i can immediately see it in the amount yeah. of income um so i think it's down the line it's a bit more than i would do right now than uh, just my standard day job um right but right now i'm in a position where i can um, take a leap like this because i live in a well a bit of an odd situation uh, where my expenses are very low uh, i live in the, the cheapest region uh, of the netherlands um in the house uh from my father and he lives in Denmark. So, and I live there, well, semi um, temporarily uh, with my brother. So we share expenses mm -hmm. and I only go there to, to sleep and eat sometimes. And now I'm making a video there, but um, my cost of living is extremely low and I cool. do not have a wife or kids or so. If I take a, a gamble, then yeah. I'm the only one well, if it goes wrong, then I'm the only one accountable for it. So That's if awesome. I don't do it right now, then uh, I'm going to regret it, I'm sure. So Definitely. And, and there's never a good time to have a baby or start a business. I mean, there are actually good times to start businesses, but there's never like a time in your life where you just, you know, have all the free time in the world. Um, and yeah. I've, I've started maybe like 10 companies and 
two or three of them have succeeded. And the ones that succeed are always the ones where you have low enough risk that you can just go all in um, yeah, because yeah. of, you know, those, those kinds of situations. So I wish you luck. It sounds like everyone in the comments Thanks. wishes you luck. While we're on the topic of paying the bills, I do have to take 60 brief seconds to thank this video sponsor. They actually requested to be the sponsor of this video when I told them that you were coming on. And I muted myself. There we go. Uh, the sponsor of today's episode is PCBWay. They are a wonderful fab for not only PCBs, but they also do 3D printing, CNC machining, sheet metal fabrication, and really just everything you can imagine. If you want metal 3D printing, if you want injection molding, whatever you want made, whether it's one unit or a thousand units, they can do it for you at incredibly, incredibly competitive pricing. There's a sign-up bonus if you use the link that will be in the description after this episode is published. And thanks to PCBWay for being our longest-running sponsor. They agreed to sign on and sponsor this show, Sight Unseen, and they haven't abandoned me yet. So thank you, PCBWay. All right, so tell me a bit about that. I mean, that's really interesting to me. And I, I do think that once, you know, we can talk about hours in the day, and hours in the day is is definitely something when it comes to videos and editing and all that stuff. But I also think mm -hmm. it's uh, the percentage of your mind. Like I have another business that we just sold, not for a lot of money. I sold my bigger business in September and then a week or two ago, we sold this business that I'm like a quieter partner in. And it took maybe like three, two to three hours of my time every week, but it's more about like the mental capacity. Like I still need to log in and check the emails. I still need to go to the staff meetings. It's still occupying space in my mind. And I mm -hmm. don't know about you, but we'll see. We can talk again in six months, but just clearing things off of your kind of mental energy and responsibility level unlocks this massive amount of creativity beyond what you would think for just the incremental, you know, few hours that you're going to get a week back. Though I don't know how much you're working at this job. Um, uh, well, you, you mean my YouTube? Um, oh well, no, I meant the other uh, job. That oh, you're the other job. Leaving. I I worked yeah. at um um for uh, twenty hours eventually. Oh wow! I, so you're getting I, a fifty percent time increase at least. Yes, <laughs> yes. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I really need that it, because well, what you say it's um I really I like my job, uh, so. Um, I will not complain about that. Well, I had enough to complain about, but <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, I really like my job. I like my colleagues. And um, if I didn't have my YouTube channel, I was still working there. Um, but the biggest problem was that it's, well, I like my YouTube channel, of course, more. Right. So um, the job that I once liked was more feeling like, um yeah it, it was getting in the way of things so Holding you back. if i yeah and if yeah, i i feel the same if, way. If I, like that um i worked from monday to wednesday uh, morning so the first half of the week mm -hmm. um but uh, increasingly uh, more times i was um think well on monday morning i was like yeah i have to finish this video because we it's a sponsored video and it has to be finished by the end of this month and now i have okay. to work there for nine hours and then i can hopefully continue on this um and not being too tired um so i'm very glad that that's over because i also mm -hmm. think it's better for for them 
that I'm gone. Um, I had some, some people saying, oh, it's a, it's a shame that you're going because, well, I had made some uh, software architectures uh, and some knowledge that only I possessed. Um, but my motivation, my motivation wasn't there anymore. Yeah. So eventually I, uh, in the la last months, I uh, made a lot of documentation and, and made sure that the, the software yeah. I made was well, people could uh, just continue working on it. Um, yep. Zombie Hedgehog and, says in the comments, life is too short to have a job you hate. You didn't hate it, but it's too short to not do the job that you really love. Yes, exactly. If you, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So let's transition into as much as I could hear about your story because you're a fascinating human being. I, I have this concept <laughs> that I created a few years ago called iceberg people. And they're people that you see the tip of the iceberg. You're like, oh, John, he's like an engineer, you know, or maker. And then like you discover as you go deeper, like that they're an iceberg and there's so much stuff under there. And I'm sure we could talk for hours because you're clearly an iceberg person. But I want to transition into 3D printing. Um, tell me a little bit about mm -hmm. what you're working on, what you're excited about. Uh, like what, what, okay, let, let me rephrase this question. You're about to have 40 hours a week or more because you're not, you know, married with kids. You're about to have as many hours a week. What's the thing that you're like, oh, yes, I'm finally going to get to do a video about that or I'm finally going to get to experiment with that. Mm. Okay, that's a, that's a good one. Um, first to answer that question, because that's not for the upcoming videos. Uh, what I'm especially excited for is to um, I've got a couple of uh, projects in mind that are quite big and too big to do besides my day job. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is, well, standing behind me is this guitar. Oh, cool. And the actual um, neck is 3D printed. Yes, exactly. I have seen a lot of, um, well, a lot. I've seen many 3D printed guitars where the body is 3D printed and not the neck. Yeah. Um, and I think the neck is, well, it's more fascinating to print. We all know that the body is, well, that's 3D printable. It's big, it's yep. not easy, but we all know that this large board is strong enough. Yeah. Um, what did you put that on, a CR30? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a single piece on a CR30. Cool. Um, out of PLA. Um, and it was also quite interesting to try and press the frets in. I definitely underestimated that. Um, and I want to 3D print a, a single body guitar, body and neck. So one piece um, and also have it played uh, by a professional guitarist. Um, That's cool. I already had some, uh, have some connections with him and we talked about that. And these are the projects that I'm really looking forward to, to, uh, to do. Um, and I started with the neck because, well, first of all, this was the big unknown of the, the guitar and well, I already found out that the, well, the, the strings aren't touching the knot anymore because this head is well, due to creep is, um, oh. bending. So, is it PLA? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's, um, I think I will print it out of P2G, but also reinforce it with uh, common uh, fiber rods and right. also add the tuners to, to the body. So it's a headless guitar, so we don't have the problems of this anymore. Uh, but mm. if I just started printing the whole guitar, then I would have wasted a lot more plastic. 
Um, and now I know that, well, this is not how you should do it, but well, it's interesting enough to find out. Um, and these are well the kind of projects that I'm really looking forward to to, uh, really to do cool. because it's a, it's a ton of work, especially uh, while we, we planned a, um, uh, a concert, uh, well, festival. It was, uh, well, I, we already talked to, uh, through some plans, but um, well, due to time, uh we had to postpone everything so it's a lot of things that have to be done behind the scenes to actually put this into well make it yeah. a, a well a, a banger of a video right so these are the projects that i need to go all in uh to <laughs> so but that requires a lot of work uh but it's right. uh, i reckon it would be epic and do you have any help with any of this stuff either the research or the video production or you're doing everything by yourself um um, I did for, I think, well, from September to February, September last year, February. Um, and before that, I did a lot with my uh, friend, Daniel, uh, mm -hmm. especially the bigger projects like the, uh, the, um, the video with the, the 3D printed rim we did together. It's a, it was just uh, both of us having a lot of fun uh, with the car in our backyard. He was filming, yeah. I was driving and vice versa. So. Um, you cannot make a video like that by yourself, no. by yourself. Yeah. Um, but um, in February, um, well, we eventually agreed on going our separate ways. Uh, Daniel also uh, got a, a very interesting job offer, uh, which mm -hmm. he took. Um, and we, well, we still are good friends. Uh, I'm going to meet him in an hour, um, but we have um, came to the conclusion that having a, a business and being good friends is a very difficult uh, combination, yeah. especially if you want to do it together. It wasn't like, oh, we were both on the same uh, level. So I wasn't his employer. So we were both working on the channel, but you're going to um, have expectations whether they are realistic right. or not. Um, and if they aren't met, then, well, Long story short, uh, we decided to go our own uh, ways and are still friends, uh, fortunately. Um, so most of you know, I'm <laughs> most of the videos I'm uh, I'm doing myself. He did most of the uh, behind the scenes uh, uh, stuff, and well, we did some some videos together. Um, but yeah, everything you see on my channel and on my website is basically my uh, my work. Incredible. I, I'm known for not doing my own editing because it is way too, I mean, I, I don't enjoy the editing. I enjoy, you know, filming and stuff like that, but, um, <laughs> for me it's the other way around. Oh, you actually <laughs> enjoy the editing? Yeah. I, um, I, sometimes I enjoy filming, but I enjoy the process of the project more. So yeah, it's more like, oh, please just let me make this project. But then it's like, yeah, I have to film everything and I have to think about camera angles and light and sound, but I just want to, to put this together. And um, then I, I, during filming, I think about filming more than about the actual project. So yeah. sometimes in hindsight, I'm like, this project is like, oh, I made such stupid decisions. And then I see the comments and then, yeah, of course, it's not the smartest way of doing that, but uh, it was a, a secondary thing to think about right. the project itself. It was like, how do I, how do I tell the story? How to get right. it on camera? Right. So, and 
and I like the editing process. I can just grab a coffee and uh, do my thing. And I think That's it's funny. also because of the, um, my love of making music is like making a video and making music in the, those digital audio workstations. It's very similar. And I especially like um, mixing with music during the video. So I can uh, spend hours uh, and hours on um, an epidemic sound uh, to find mm -hmm. that perfect song. I almost like every uh, genre, genre that is. So I always try to find the best music for the setting. Sometimes mm -hmm. I don't even like the song, but it just fits uh, well. Um, and so it's yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it's a bit therapeutic work, uh, work right. to uh, well grab a coffee and just uh, start editing, and uh, you don't see yeah, me I, all day. I actually love the video part. I I've been into photography and videography way before, like I think probably before consumer three D printing was even a thing. Since I was like a teenager, I've loved uh, cameras um, and making yeah. stuff. But I I don't do the I can't do the editing. I just I hate think it. they I the um, I like filming, but I don't like presenting. I think that's it. Well, it's not that I don't okay. like it, but I if I have to pick one that I like the least, I think it's the presenting part. I like hmm. making the B roll and do it in uh, 60 yeah. frames and uh, turn it down and make just sick, uh, well, montage videos. And um, so what I yeah. often, what I mostly do uh, lately to make it more fun. And also I think um, this also improves the quality is to do the project and not constantly presenting and telling what mm -hmm. you're doing, but just filming what you're doing, put the camera there, right. do something put it over right. there, do another thing, and then um, just add voiceover. Uh, so I in then I can, during the edit, can tell the story better than yeah. once I'm within uh, the project itself, because most of the time I have no idea where the project is going. So right. I often run into a dead end, and then it's like, oh, shit, this, this makes no sense. How, how am I going to fix this in post? Um, so... Yeah, that's a, a workflow that made things uh, considerably better, easy to work with, and also for the viewer, easier to um, to grasp. That is awesome. Let me ask you some of my rapid fire questions, and then we'll turn it over to the audience because I have questions that I like to ask everyone. Uh, okay. If you need something to just work, you just need the print to be perfect, what's currently the printer that you're going to send it to? Oh, that's a good one. Um, it's at least a printer that I haven't uh, modified myself. Um, and I wonder if the there's a correlation that... there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, the N3S1. Okay. And not because I think that's the best printer I currently have, but that's the one that's most conveniently placed and yeah. just has a, a, a roll of uh, a PLA filament on that. So it's the, the, the one printer mostly with the white PLA. White PLA mm -hmm. is my, um, my prototyping filament because you can write on that with a pencil. Um, ah. So it's like a 3D uh, notebook. Um, so everything I print in white is, um, well, that I can throw that away. It's just for, for testing purposes. Um, huh. And that's just that N3. It's not, I'm not in love with it, but it just works. Uh, okay. It's a good printer. Um, what printer the, are you in yeah. love with? I think it's the, um, hmm, 
I think the Optimus B1. It's the really? uh, it, it's. Do you know that printer? I don't think no. uh, most. It's uh, the Optimus P1 is uh, from a small Swedish company. I met them at 3D Meetup in Sweden last year, and it's a printer that has a build volume of 60 by 60 centimeters and one meter ten high. That's the one I want to use to 3D print the guitar with. Um, and what I especially like about that is how it's uh, built um, out of the box. There are so it's a very small company, two people. So two people, but I don't know if they are, have, uh, um, if they grew or not, but two people put that printer to market. And that's, um, yeah, that's, that's worth mentioning, but there were it's some, some wires. Um, no, no, it's, it's a, uh, well, the, the gantry is moving back and forth. And the okay. bat is in the set direction, but it's not a core yeah. XY. It's a Cartesian XY uh, machine, okay. but with a, uh, um, but it's big. It has these NEMA 23 uh, steppers for the Z uh, axis. Um, and I modified it a bit, not too much, but I improved the extruder. Uh, we had this, uh, this video with the, uh, a tug of war between extruders. And we also put more for fun, their extruder in there. It was just a stock uh, extruder and, um, the winner of that battle, uh, is the one being put on that printer um for the future big projects so i'm i added a um a big tree tech the hermit crab tool changer that fits uh pretty nicely and now i have a bunch of extruders because of that uh, tug of war uh, video um and i can add different extruders to it so it's it, it takes a bit longer for it to work um, because everything has to heat up. It's a large yeah. uh, volume printer. Um, but once it does, well, it's nice to have uh, several extruders for it and more than enough uh, room to print things. So that's my favorite printer. Awesome. Uh, what's the last thing that you printed? It's over here. It's the um, uh, this system. Oh, I'm going to show you the... the the where it's well my last video was about um this gantry yep. system um yep. i was uh well i'm I, everything started with these um uh the skeletonized gantries and well the, it sparked an idea i've got a truss here in the in my studio where all lights are hanging from i was like maybe i can well design hmm. my own truss um and the truss is a triangular shape and it's known for being light and stiff. So I was like, maybe I can make the lightest gantry ever. Well, I failed uh, in that <laughs> uh, video. Um, but it was so entertaining. <laughs> it was like, well, that's one of the things I, I want to show on my videos that um, you, you must not be afraid of, of failure especially when yep. 3d printing it stuff doesn't cost oh that gosh, much yeah. it's not that you have uh, destroyed like a 20k uh, die for uh, injection molding right. it's quite forgiving um so that's I, I want to show well concepts um is this going to work so the idea was to uh, eliminate the um the the normal uh, motion system of these uh, well mgn rails or uh, so have a combination of the uh, the gantry and the motion system in one and mm -hmm. i was wondering if a threaded rod was able to move um well smoothly but it doesn't 
Um, mm -hmm. So I was planning on going, uh, well, working on one of my other projects, but I was like, this, this could be interesting. So I'm going to ask the audience, shall I continue with this idea or not? Um, and this is the most commented video uh, of, of all time on my channel. I, wow. I think more than a thousand comments. So that's, that's incredible. And if I have to guess, it's like 98 to 99% of people are saying that I should continue with that. So um, normally I'm not that good at listening to the comments <laughs> and just go my own way. But maybe this is a sign that I have to continue working on it. Um, and what I especially found interesting is that people aren't that interested in speed printing. Well, not in this uh, setting. Most people said, we don't care about speed printing. We just want to see this concept um, being, uh, well, being developed further. And how cool would it be to make a 3D printed 3D printer? Well, we all, well, it's already out there, but it's like the, the right. old rap rap uh, days. And um, how far can we uh, stretch this? So yeah. I have made a different design. It's slightly bigger. Uh, also simplified the... Um, well, these are individual really segments pretty. of, uh, thank you, of uh, 40 millimeters in uh, length. Yeah. Uh, this is printed out of um, nylon with the carbon fiber right. um, with brass tubes. Um, this Beautiful. is not light, but um, this is not for a 3D printer because this is a part for a, a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. um, I've bought a, a vintage motorcycle. And the idea is that this can be mounted to the fork on the front of the, uh, cool. the bike. Um, and I want to add uh, indicator lights on uh, cool. the opposite ends. Um, because it's uh, the motorcycle is turned into a cafe racer and it doesn't have these indicator lights. And I really don't like sticking my limbs out when uh, going through a corner. <laughs> and it doesn't have uh, saddle bags. So I cannot bring anything with me unless I wear gotcha. a backpack. And you have these saddlebags, saddlebag holders, but I think, well, this, this design, um, I'll print a PLA version here. This design, um, well, might be strong enough. Well, I think it's strong enough to use as saddlebag holders. Um, and also several comments mentioned that, um, you should tension it from the center. Um, this is centered on, well, on with these uh, three rods, um, and that's the, well, it has some downsides and a lot of people suggest, well, add one a rod at the center, uh, tension it using that. And I was like, this is one of these things that, um, in hindsight, this is so obvious that, um, <laughs> but it didn't occur to me. Um, but then I gave it some thought and I came up with an idea that, uh, helped me awake for quite some time. Well, it's. Hmm. Mostly it's that the most ideas pop into your mind just before that moment that you want to go to sleep. Yeah. And then it's uh, tough for me to sleep. Um, so that's very convenient. But what I um, uh, did instead of uh, using a, uh, a rod is just some, um, how's this called? It's for, uh, this is gift wrapping uh, hmm. lint. Um, and you can place it here in the center. And there's one side that uh, rotates. So I have this tool and I can just continue twisting it. And that shortens this uh, fiber. 
and that tensions the whole thing. So oh, wow. it makes it, well, even lighter if you use fibers. Uh, for this one, this still hasn't, huh. <laughs> it's a fun story, this still hasn't the fiber in there because I used Kevlar <laughs> and that's extremely strong. So I was continue turning it and then the whole tensioning system just, just exploded. Pop. Um, <laughs> so it, it works, it's tensioning, so, but I have to, uh, to reprint that. Um, that's freaking cool. But that's I think really, really that cool. I have these uh, carbon fiber rods over here. These are also four millimeter, um, extremely light. So not that this is the goal, but I think that with this tensioning system and carbon fiber rods, we might actually be able to print a very light gantry, albeit not the purpose of this, uh, the system. Um, very cool. and because it's four millimeter, um, you can also use Bowden tubes. So these are just three huh. Bowden tubes and this, no kidding. well, it doesn't cost anything. So I hope that we can build a printer that is or extremely cheap to make or high performance, but the same design, same principle, but using different materials, uh, you can Very choose cool. between, well, I want the, the cheap version or I want to go all in, or I want to make it look cool using brass tubes. That's so, a good segue, by the way, into a question from <laughs> Kenneth Tsang, uh, who wants to know if you have any plans of building a DIY Voron, VZBot, RatRig, or you know, doing a proper printing version of one of these like open source printers. Exactly. Yes. I, um, well, this is for the, um, for the bike. That's to, just to, uh, improve this on the system further. And also to show that we can make something different than a 3d printer. Um, but the upcoming video after the bike is, uh, yeah, I want to see if I can design a whole printer with this uh, system. Wow. Um, and I thought I was being well, very unique by also moving the gantry in the Z direction, but I later found out that it's just a four on 2.1 that's having that motion system. So mm -hmm. that's how much I know about these uh, printers, but, um, <laughs> I think it's, um, it's, it's, it, it would be interesting to, um, to turn this into a, uh, a working 3d printed 3d printer with the convenient name of, uh, well, the proper printer, uh, of course, um, of course. And that's a good segue into another question, which is, uh, let's see who asked DJ is pro wanted to know why is it called proper printing? And someone else commented half the time it's anything but proper. The, the <laughs> printing that is done. <laughs> that's true. Um, it's uh, because of my last name, um, which is uh, shown. Um, and it's originally that's German, uh, Schöne. Uh, mm -hmm. it's a famous footballer as well. It means, uh, beautiful or good looking. Um, but it, um, it, the Dutch variant, uh, they removed uh, the dots and it's uh, schone, um, mm -hmm. which basically means the same, but it also means clean. Um, mm. so John clean, but I was, uh, the schone was difficult to pronounce in, uh, in English language. So I so I have to come up with something else. And a uh, synonym of uh, schoon in Dutch is uh, proper. Proper also means uh, clean. Um, and then also proper, pro oh, maybe I can proper printing. So it's basically my last name, but a synonym of my last name That's in cool. Dutch, but with different meaning in uh, English. English. That's very cool. And it has the nice alliteration, proper printing. Dot pro, the, the website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Properprinting.pro, check that out. Uh, Zombie Hedgehog always has good questions. He wants to know, what do you think about 3D printing today has the most room for improvement or innovation? Obviously, right now you're working on gantries, but what's the thing that you look at and, and say, I got to do something to make this better? Ah, um, and then I I'm going to answer that because I have an opinion on it too. <laughs> um, I think there are two main things. One is that um, if you look at the, the videos from Stefan from CNC Kitchen, he made a mm -hmm. couple of videos about uh, conical slicing. Um, and I think that from the software side of things, from the slicer side of things, a lot can be improved because we already have the hardware. How much do you want to improve on that? The motion system itself is already pretty much uh, thought through. It's like this 80-20 rule where we are all at 80% and how much do you want to improve on this motion right. system? Um, so I think on the control side of things, there is a lot to uh, improve and discover, but mm -hmm. I am incapable of doing that. But um, so, and from the, the hardware side of things, um, I don't think it's necessarily an improvement, but uh, I think that a lot of industrial techniques uh, should find its way into uh, consumer uh, 3D printers. Yep. So one of the things that I'm currently working on is uh, I try to get continuous fiber printing to work on yeah, a standard printer. Yeah, someone asked about that in the comments. Ah, How's that going? No, um, well, this is the, the extruder that I've uh, designed. It was more of a, wow. a, a gimmick uh, with um, this, this uses timing belts to push filament instead of uh, gears. Mm -hmm. um, and initially, uh, it was like, well, I'm wondering if this would actually work. Um, and I quite soon found out that this thing can also just push very thin fibers and, uh, and wires. Um, so I've been thinking about continuous fiber printing for, for quite some time already, and I couldn't wrap uh, my head around it how to, to actually incorporate this because, well, it has to be pushed through molten filament that is a high viscous. And then I was like, maybe I can use resin. That's already quite low viscous. Um, mm -hmm. So, and that's where the idea of um, FDM resin printing uh, started. So that's using a pump, a non-pulsating peristaltic pump to feed resin yep. um, to just like a regular printer, uh, try to print uh, resin out of a nozzle and cure that in place. Um, that kind of works. Um, <laughs> but it makes for it's, great it's a, videos. It's a lot of mess. Um, but, and I think the combination of both, uh, the um, FDM resin printing has these, well, these two lasers at an angle, and it's only right. for the aesthetics. I think it would look sick to have these two lasers at the opposite sides, this thing yeah. pushing the fiber, uh, and a pump. It's like a heart. Well, this is heart-shaped, so I want to have to right. pump like these big veins <laughs> pushing, uh, pumping the resin. Uh, and I hope that the combination really of cool. the two uh, can be a interesting start to get these techniques to um, well, to affordable 3D printers. Um, and that's what I really huh. like about this um, this ecosystem, this niche of 3D printing, that you can achieve very interesting results just by trying out and with the stuff on the table that doesn't cost a, an arm and a leg. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that these two things, the software side and, um, well, these pro, uh, these industrial techniques finding its way to the consumer, yep. 
uh, those two things are uh, what has to become not not faster or better yeah. or yet so i will say I, I feel like we can after i interviewed guy naim who's a university uh Hebrew University researcher in polymer science, I realized just how much more we can do with actual polymers. Like, you know, they, the one that I've been talking about, because it's, it's one of the main ones we talked about, but um, the getting the body to rebuild tissue and tendons and fibers and muscles and everything around peak is what they're working on now. But I also realized like so many of the limitations uh you know, if you want to print faster, Stefan did an amazing video on this, like it's going to sacrifice the strength, but it's not just faster for what's cool. It's if you're prototyping something and you can do six cycles of iteration in a day versus four. And I kind of came to realize that like, there's a lot more that can be done in the polymer science to get stronger layer adhesion faster with less requirement for cooling and just get to a point where we can push the laws of physics and get things that are stronger, faster. Um, so I think that's going to be an interesting frontier. Polymaker's doing a lot mm. to try and yeah. crack that. I think so too. Uh, also, um, well, sort of polymers, uh, monomers, more the, the material science. Mm -hmm. um, I had a great chat with uh, my resin uh, supplier. Um, he has a has 30 years uh, experience also PhD graduate about uh, with uh, monomers and uh, resins mm -hmm. and the field of resins I, I just dipped my toes in it um, yep. and it's so huge the amount of additives there are out yeah. there I just used glass bubbles to see if I could FTM uh, print with that to improve it but when you dive into the world of resins uh, yeah. and epoxies and the additives there are out there um, I think that eventually printing with, um, with liquids, uh, and pastes and, uh, resins with different, um, uh, sure hardnesses as an end result, um, which can mimic, uh, the, um, well, for instance, the human hand, which, which right. has soft tissue, hard bone, and also, right. um, I think eventually, uh, it would start look more and more to well, the natural world, so to say, yeah, uh, just by material science. So, yeah, I yeah, think the world very is, interesting. It's uh, yeah. So it's not about <laughs> faster printing, I think, but more about these experiments. And I totally uh, re really totally. like to to explore this. It's still it's such an unknown territory. It's like playing these games that you have this open map, but everything is black until you walk yeah. to that point. It feels yeah. like that. We have a question here from uh, Tunkai, uh, who wants to know what your go-to firmware is. Are you a Clipper guy, Marlin guy? This is like the boxers or briefs yeah. question. It's very personal, a <laughs> little bit, little um, bit, you know, controversial. It's um, I'm currently uh, just whatever works. Um, I'm a fan of uh, how Duet works, just out of the box. Mm -hmm. um i've worked with clipper but it was more of a joke because i made a camera slider that runs on clipper <laughs> um that can be programmed with blender so it, it eventually it was pretty cool um that is so cool. in blender you make this animation and it generates a g-code i didn't yeah. come up with the idea that was stephen haas uh from uh opulo um but he sent me his um software and said well go ahead 
Um, so I improved a bit on it. Um, but that camera slider is running on Clipper. And there was one guy uh, at, I think, Earth or Murph last year. And he said, you should add input shaper to your camera slider. And I was that like, was the oh. first thing I thought of. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like more of a gimmick. But, yeah, it could be pretty awesome to actually add a <laughs> input shaper to your uh, camera slider or just Big to time. control camera movements with a clipper. Um, <laughs> but regarding 3D printing, um, yeah, uh, just what whatever what gets the job done. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, we've gone through all the audience questions. So for those of you listening to the recording or watching the recording, tune in live next time so you can ask questions of the fabulously interesting guests. Jan, I want to uh, thank you, but first I want to give you the opportunity to let us know where we can support you. Everybody, uh, if you're just tuning in, Jan is going to be full-time as of next week, and we want to make sure that he can yep. continue to do this because he's doing some very important research and entertainment. Where can we support you, and how can we um, help? On, uh, well, the starting point on my website, properprinting.pro, um, and from there you can find links to uh, to YouTube, Twitter, but also to my Patreon uh, page. Um, and also by purchasing my designs, I host all my own designs on there, uh, and you can get the 3D printable files um, for any amount, so if you enter an amount of zero, you get the, uh, the download for free. Um, but you can enter any amount there. Um, and that's uh, really helping uh, helping me out with this. Um, so yeah, start there on my website and um, enjoy. Awesome. Jan, I want to thank you so much for coming on, spending time with me. As you said well, earlier before we hit me. the record button, I am very much the new kid on the block. So I'm honored that a uh, more seasoned veteran like yourself gave me the time of day and uh, shared your wisdom and enthusiasm with us. So thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Infill Podcast. For show notes or links to anything mentioned in today's episode, visit thenextlayer.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to leave us a review wherever you're listening or click the like button to let us know and consider subscribing to The Next Layer on YouTube so you can tune in live and participate in the next conversation. We'll see you on The Next Layer.